This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Walker, and my co-host today, as usual, is Kim. And today, our guest is Karen O'Brien from Shop Genie. And before we get into our podcast, I would love to thank our sponsors, uh, RepairPal, for providing this episode. RepairPal certified network of shops are trusted by millions of customers each month. Learn more at RepairPal.com forward slash shops. Well, Karen, thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Kim and I recently had the opportunity to meet Karen while we were traveling through Arizona. We've been friends on Facebook for a while. He saw that we were in the area and sent us a message and said, hey, let's meet up. And we did. And we are kind of blown away when we met Kieran because he's not your typical 23-year-old. Is that right? 23. Yeah. So you're 23 oh years old. You have already exited a company. You are building a CRM with technology that well-established companies are not integrating that I know of anyway. This isn't the normal story of a 23-year-old. Kind of tell us some of your story. As you mentioned, I'm 23. I kind of started my first business when I was 16 in high school. I was doing like social media management for auto repair shops in my local area. I ended up getting an internship at uh, at a repair shop that was just in my hometown in the Washington, D.C. area. So I was kind of interning as a service advisor on the weekends and after school. And I kind of got like, got, I was just in and around the autom- automotive repair industry for a while in high school. And then, yeah, like I said, I started my first company just kind of managing the social media for that shop. And then that shop owner referred me to a couple more. And so started like a little marketing company, so to speak. It was I was really just a glorified freelancer, but that kind of led me into the e-commerce side of the automotive industry. So I ended up running marketing campaigns, influencer marketing, lead generation, and Google pay-per-click and stuff for distributors of automotive parts. That was kind of my second business. And then my third business, my most recent one, uh, was a software company. It was a data analytics platform, which I started in late 2019, sold that last year. And then, as you mentioned, I'm working on a new company. And kind of the reason that I wanted to jump back into the auto repair industry is because when I was 16, 17, working at that repair shop, you know, I was interfacing with the software that they were using. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, this looks like it was built in like the 90s, whether it was their CRM or their management system or whatever it was, it just looked really outdated. And so when I was looking for kind of what to do next, I remembered that and I went back and I was like, okay, so the industry's made some progress on the shop management side. There's some amazing cloud-based management systems now, but I feel like there's a big opportunity on the CRM side of things. For our listeners, we're absolutely going to talk about that. We're the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast, but I can't have this young man on our podcast without digging in some more because I meet business owners. I mean, including myself, I'm 46, almost 47 years old now. It's been a lifetime of figuring out this whole business thing. And here you are 23 years old. And like I said, already exited a company, building another, like a, this is not a small thing that you're building. I'm interested in, you know, was there something the way that you were brought up, just that your belief system, your ideals, what is it that allows you to have the success that you've had at such a young age? You know, I don't know if I could pin it down to anything in particular, but I appreciate the kind words. And I I think really it just comes from a desire to just do my own thing. And I've always kind of wanted to just kind of control what I'm what my life looks like. And I think a lot of business owners that are listening to this podcast can relate to that. They want to kind of control their own destiny, control their own outcome. And, you know, I remember the repair shop that I was kind of interning at, the way that that happened is 
I was in high school and my parents were, I was doing like my SAT prep and I was getting ready to start doing college applications right around this time. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneurship was. And I remember talking to my dad about it and he's like, well, if you're not going to college, then you're either moving out and you got to figure it out or you're going to the military. And I know you guys have a son in the military and it's amazing. Not for me. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I got to figure something out and, and like start a business. And so I just kind of taught myself how to do some of these things. And luckily, I found some amazing mentors that showed me the ropes of business and, and automotive in particular. And having kind of my early professional experiences be in the auto repair industry was another reason why I kind of fell in love with this industry in particular. So I love that you are that example that like Gary Vaynerchuk loves to talk about. It's almost the anti-college movement. Absolutely, there is a place for college. But, you know, I know that I grew up anyway, being in school and parents and everything pushing that, oh, you need to go get that four-year degree. And then I love hearing people like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Mike Rowe, you know, these guys who are talking about that is not for everyone. And some of the most successful people out there, they did not choose to go that path. So I, I love that story. 100%. And I could talk about that for hours. Might have to do another episode on that. But there's a lot of parallels actually to the auto repair industry as well when it comes to that. Like my parents both went to college. I was expected to go to college. I'm the oldest of three siblings. And so it was kind of expected. It wasn't even an option that I wouldn't go. And you know, kind of how that happened for me is I convinced my parents to let me take a gap year. So I applied to college, I got in, and then I was like, just let me take a year off and see what I can do. And that's when I I started my first business. But this is common over in Europe. If you want to go into a trade or you want to you want to become a, an auto repair technician or a plumber or whatever that might be, what you do is you go to an apprenticeship and you learn about it and then you go into that trade. It's seen kind of on equal level as university over in Europe. And here in the US, it's just kind of this unspoken rule that you have to go to university and in a lot of cases, you end up in a whole bunch of debt and you, you know, end up with a, a liberal arts degree and you end up doing something that's completely unrelated to your degree and going into the trades, going into the military, doing any of these other things. There's so many other paths that you can take in life. And I think that that needs to be talked about more. You know, it's funny that we're having this conversation. You talk about our son. So Peyton is his name. He grew up with two entrepreneurs, right? My background though is teacher. Then I was a school counselor. Brian was mechanic. Brian opened the shop first, literally when I was pregnant. And so he has never known the life of not an entrepreneur as a parent. And we've had people ask us multiple times about, is he going to take over this business? What's he going to do? And all his life, right? I have a master's degree. And so Brian and I were very often on different sides of the spectrum when it comes to does he have to go to college? I mean, it's his choice. But what we were saying to him, I, for the longest time was like, okay, listen, when you turn 18, you're out of here. Like I'm kicking your butt out of this house. You need to be self-sufficient. You need to be prepared. I had no idea till he was like 15 that he really thought, and I mean, I kind of was serious. Like you need to be your own man, but he was stressing, like they're kicking me out. I'm getting out when I'm 18. And he believed what, I mean, I guess that's a good thing that 
you know, we must really mean what we say and say what we mean or whatever. I always screw that stuff up. But, you know, he took to heart that I got to do something. And so I was telling him, you need to go to college, you need to go to college. Brian was telling him, hey, learn something with your hands, something that you're going to always be able to provide for yourself, be a handy guy and all this stuff. And at some point, I want to say 13-ish is when he was like, I am not going. He hated school, hated school. He was like, I'm not going to college. And so then I'm trying to convince him, well, you can at least, not that this is a bad thing. I do not want it to come off this way, but go to a trade school and learn the trade so you have that. And I mean, for the longest time, it was, he's going to be in real estate. I mean, I could list just a long list of things he was going to do and then to know where he is now. But that's why we're asking these questions. Something built you and caused you. So I'm just curious, what do your parents say now? How do they feel about what you're doing now and your two younger siblings. Like you're really doing something remarkable. I'm just curious what your family says about what you've accomplished at such a young age already. You know, there was a lot of screaming matches back and forth about, you know, you need to go to college and do all this. And, you know, there's a lot of contention between my parents and I when I was in high school and even during that year after. And I just, I think with anything, and this isn't just exclusive to kids talking to their parents and proving something, but this is just in life in general, actions speak louder than words. And if you can go out there and prove it, if you can go out there and, and make it happen, then people can't really say anything. And so, yeah, once I went out and started my first business and it became relatively successful, my parents kind of started to see that from my point of view. And we have a great relationship now and they're very, very supportive. They're very proud of me. And it's amazing that it ended up that way. But yeah, I think that this narrative around college and the university system really needs to change. And then again, to relate it back to our industry, we talk about this technician shortage. It's like, these two things are hand in hand. You know, I, I made a post on Facebook the other day about this. It's like, if we stop this narrative about how you need to go to college and you need to get a four-year degree and we start to promote and celebrate kids and young adults for going to trade schools and going to technical institutions and going down that route, then we're going to solve these problems in these blue-collar industries like auto repair. And we're also going to solve this problem of kids being in massive student loan debt and feeling lost in life. It's two birds with one stone. And I think that that narrative needs to be perpetuated more. Time to thank our friends at RepairPal for making this episode possible. Don't get left behind. Today's tech-savvy consumers value instant gratification, so they start their searches for a repair shop on their computers and smartphones. These power users research auto repair and service options and decide which shops to engage with in an instant. Gain these customers by being RepairPal certified. They provide proof that your prices are fair with their best-in-class estimator. They're the largest site for auto repair, and they will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com and through the recommendation of partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. As shop owners, we were in the RepairPal certified network, and it helped grow our business. You have to be in it to win it, so head on over to RepairPal.com forward slash shops and set up a call to learn more. When you sign up, you'll get one month of service free, and save $150 off certification. That's repairpal.com forward slash shops. One of the things that I've noticed about you, Kieran, is that you have a tenacity about you, but you don't come off as pushy. It's this weird thing where you like you pull it off so well to where you're letting people know about your product. You are building a system there but you're doing it in such an authentic way, whereas some people don't succeed in doing that. They come off in a buy from me, buy from me, buy from me kind of way. 
Is that something that has just come natural to you or have you had to work on that? I mean, I've definitely had to work on it. I think in my first business, I was obsessed with learning sales. I was obsessed with learning human psychology and how to get people to, to buy my stuff. And I think for the record, any business owner needs to know how to do that in terms of like the skills and the fundamentals. But what I realized, especially with my first software company, I realized that if you build an incredible product and you build an incredible brand, and most importantly, if you take care of your customers and have an incredible customer experience, I think you guys are like the embodiment of this, by the way, then they will come and they will tell their friends and they will tell their neighbors and they will tell everyone about your product. And so like, just for an example, like my last software business, went completely viral within the industry that it was in just purely by word of mouth. And it's because we built a product that solved a real problem that people liked and that people cared about. And I think there is a healthy amount of sales and promotion that needs to happen in any business. But ultimately, if you have a leaky bucket, if you have either a bad product or bad customer experience or worse, both, then you're going to keep pouring water into that bucket. and It's just going to leak out the bottom. So... I think that's the answer. And this goes for software companies, marketing agencies, auto repair shops, any kind of business. If you can nail your product and the way that you make your customers feel upfront and build genuine community around that and become a trusted source of knowledge and information in in your space, then everything else will take care of itself. So that is a reel right there. That one clip that you just like, I hope that we replay that one little line over and over again. I love that. I'm obsessed with customer service, listening, caring for people, taking care of them, solving problems. And I think that you just hit the nail on the head with that for sure. Thank you. And I mean, like at our company, we have a saying, it's called obsessive customer service. Like we try to go above and beyond every single... We talked about this at dinner too. I bought the book you told me to buy. Quick side note, there's this book. I recommended it to Kim. It's called Unreasonable Hospitality. It's basically the owner of this like super high-end Michelin star restaurant in New York City. Talks about all the crazy stuff that he did to go above and beyond for his customers and become like the number one restaurant in the world. And I think every auto repair shop owner listening should listen to that book on Audible or or buy that book and read it because there's so many incredible lessons in there. Just the word hospitality, when you say that, just the word, people automatically associate the South with it, right? They think that Southern hospitality. And I think that it's important to say it's just being nice and helpful and taking care of people. That's not, or it shouldn't be. I mean, people all over the world are nice and take care of and and care for people, but it shouldn't just be associated with, oh, that Southern grace and people down there. But I think that's the secret sauce right there. So I did not start the book because I'm in two other books right now that I need to finish, but it's sitting on my shelf where I read and I'm excited to dig into that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Brian, I cut you off. Where were you going? You were talking about how it's the same, whether it's a software company or an auto repair shop or whatever, you know, as far as making sure that you're serving the, cl- the client and providing the highest quality product and all of that. If you found yourself today as the owner of an auto repair shop, you just got through into it. What would you do to build that business? My business partner, Caden, and I talk about this a lot because we've actually talked about buying a shop because again, like I've been in the industry for six, seven years. I've worked at shops. I've worked for shops. And I think that there's a big gap in the marketplace for a really simple, high-tech, high-touch, like incredible customer service type shop. And what I mean by that, I'll break it down kind of by each one. So I think that there, you see all these specialty shops in our industry. 
they often have really great margins. They have the most repeat customers because they just focus on one thing. And I think focus is extremely underrated. So uh, it would probably be some sort of specialty shop, whether that's specialty within like a certain service or specialty within a certain a subgroup of vehicles, like like European vehicles, for example. It would probably be some sort of specialty shop. And then beyond that, we would use all of the latest technology, all of the most incredible things for customer experience. It would be as simple as using an iPhone to do business with us, whether that's scheduling appointments, DVIs, paying for your service, like everything would be basically on your phone. There, In terms of the actual transactions and the information being exchanged, it would be all basically done on your smartphone. But then I think the dichotomy and what the opposite of that would be is customer service going like above and beyond. So courtesy pickups and drop-offs, Uber and Lyft rides to and from the shop when needed, you know, just obsessive customer service, creating an environment where people just love to be creating a really, really nice waiting room with uh, incredible amenities. I would just try to go above and beyond in every way and, and just differentiate ourselves. And I think that's the type of shop that I would want to run. Basically, the Ritz-Carlton of auto repair shops or the we liken it to the Chick-fil-A. The Chick-fil-A. That's a fantastic comparison. Yeah. All right. So you talked about the technology that you would use. So that's probably a, a good segue for us to to talk about ShopGenie. Tell us a little bit about this product that you've built. As I mentioned, you know, I think that the CRMs and the marketing technology in the space has been outdated for a while. If we look at basically every other industry, they have things like online appointment booking, appointment reminders, like digital experiences that are just really great. Like the last time you booked a reservation at a restaurant or booked a massage or booked a dentist appointment, you know, all these other adjacent industries have these things. And my business partner and I kind of realized that and we wanted to build what is, we call it a customer experience platform. And so we don't like to call ourselves a CRM or like a marketing automation software. We, we like to call ourselves a customer experience platform because we're building incredible customer experiences for shops. And so basically we're an AI powered platform for auto repair shops that handles marketing automation, reviews, online scheduling, and a bunch of other stuff all in one platform. That last piece, that all-in-one piece, is another big thing that we're focused on because what we discovered is a lot of these shop owners that we talk to, and especially like our customers that are in our beta program right now, one of their biggest points of contention was dealing with three, four, or five different software vendors. For They've got a texting platform, they've got a reviews platform, they've got email marketing platform. They've got all these things dispersed. They've got all these monthly bills. They've got all these points of contact, all these different vendors. And so we want to build kind of the best customer experience platform in the market and put everything under one roof. I love that part about having everything under one roof. But the thing that you said that stuck out to me, and I've had the opportunity to have a peek at this, but the people who are listening obviously have not. And it is the part about being AI powered. Can you talk about that some? AI is not going to replace you. It's not going to take jobs. And in fact, you know, the irony of this whole thing is 10 years ago when people were talking about like AI and, and robots taking over the world, it was like, oh, well, the blue collar jobs are going to go first and a robot's going to fix your car. And then all of like the office jobs are going to be like the only thing that's left. And now that it's happening, it's kind of the exact opposite of that, where all of these like desk jobs are the ones that are actually being replaced by AI. And conversely, these trade-based jobs, these blue-collar jobs are the ones that are actually, people are getting paid more, like technicians are getting paid well into the six figures now for, for these types of positions. But I digress. AI is very useful for a lot of different things. And one of the ways that we use it is communication. So communication is fundamental to any shop, whether that's before, during, or after the repair. 
And so we're building our products called Jasmine. Jasmine's still in beta, even when this podcast comes out. So only a select few shops are using Jasmine. But Jasmine is the first AI assistant that's basically been built and trained on auto repair data. So it's like having your own personalized chat GPT that knows everything about your shop. So whether that's a customer coming in after hours and asking a question about the types of vehicles you service, responding to reviews, responding to customers via text and email outside of business hours or on weekends, and Jasmine can even help you write your text and email marketing campaigns. So these are some of the things that we're working on with AI at ShopGenie. So AI, I personally have a love-hate with AI. And I think that what you're building there is an incredible tool. And it's going to be something that is going to help shop owners a lot, especially the ones who are wanting to manage their own CRM to be able to have a conversation with their CRM or their customer experience platform and just tell it what you want it to do. And it does it. And my understanding is that it will eventually, that's exactly what will happen with it is you've talked to it like you were talking to another human being. You tell it what you want done and it happens. Is that right? Yeah. And the way that we think about it too is like our product is built primarily to help the owners and the service advisors. And we have this saying internally, we want to give service advisors superpowers because ultimately the service advisor is there to, to do what we talked about earlier, which is create amazing customer experiences and bring the hospitality that we're talking about to these shops. And they can't really do that effectively if they're stuck on the phone or stuck behind a computer. So what we kind of, what we talk about in terms of how AI is used at, at ShopGenie is it's there to give service advisors superpowers to help them reduce the time that they're spending on the phone and behind screens so that they can focus on that customer experience that's face-to-face, that human interaction, because that's ultimately what is most important to these customers when they're actually at the shop, they're interacting with a real human being, and that's not going anywhere. So getting back to my love-hate, I'll give you an example. There's a tool that I use called PodSqueeze. Just started using this. Chris Cotton over from the Weekly Blitz introduced me to it. And when we're done recording this podcast, I will upload the audio into it. And it will give me a really good set of show notes with timestamps, suggested titles, all of this stuff. And when AI, I mean, there's been so much talk about AI. And I think there's a lot of people like me that have that love-hate with it. And there's a lot of people that are, they love what it can do. There's a lot of people that are fearful with what it can do. And then one of the things that I look at is, is it going to produce the quality of what a human being will? And ultimately, I don't think that AI can replace the quality of what the highest level human beings can do. I don't think that that will ever happen. But I do think that it can absolutely replace and exceed the quality of what a mediocre human being can do. But when I look at at things like, like PodSqueeze, for example, where I just upload this audio and something that would have taken me hours before to go through and create those show notes like good good show notes. Like go look at the show notes from this episode. If you're listening to this, the show notes exist. Go look at them. That was AI created. Did I modify it some? Probably. Sometimes it's good enough that I don't. So that's the part that I love about it. But I'd love to get your opinion on this because you're very much in that world of understanding AI and what it can do and what it will do. I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat for a second. And I think about all of the white collar jobs that as AI progresses all these white collar jobs that it can replace. So how do we, how do we navigate this in the future as AI continues to replace jobs to keep from convert to socialism because we have so many people out of work because of the 
the artificial intelligence. I'm just, again, my, totally my tinfoil hat right now. It's a so, loaded so question. Humor me. I don't think that AI is going to replace jobs at the scale that people might think it is. I think it's just going to make people do things differently. I think it's going to replace redundant and unnecessary jobs. I think that it's going to force people to learn new skills, maybe force people into, into the trades, maybe force more people to go become automotive technicians, hopefully. But no, at the end of the day, we've seen technological advancements like this a dozen times. And this maybe feels a little bit different, but we think about like the phone and the internet and all these other things that have come and we've just adapted as humans. And I think that if used properly, AI can help just kind of like to your point, take things that are redundant and that you know, that are unpleasant and make them very easy and take people who are great at what they do and make them even better and even more efficient. And so even for companies like ours, I think that it means that you don't have to hire as many people because your average uh, productivity per employee goes up. And so I think it's, it's amazing for people, for business owners, even shop owners using like our technology to help their service advisors be more effective. That might mean one less service advisor that you have to hire and, you know, higher margins for your shop. And so if you can make people more effective and you can make people better at their jobs, I think that that's the ideal outcome. And I don't think that it necessarily has to replace jobs or cause any sort of crazy societal disruption. But ultimately, your point there was that you might have one less service advisor or we could hire less people. And look, as a business owner, someone who is who I have to make sure that we are fiscally responsible, then I love it. And one of the things that I've tasked my team with is I do believe that you adapt or you die. And when I look at things like AI, it's like, okay, this is not going anywhere. There is not going to be, like Elon Musk has, has talked about, the government coming in and regulating this to the point that, you know, it keeps these things from happening. I don't believe that that will ever happen. So in my business, we will adapt because we're not going to die. And what I've talked to my team about is we will become the best at using AI for our clients. We will use it to make us better and better and better because it's not going away. But it does still make me wonder how it could affect us as a society. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'll jump in is that my greatest fear and, and fear is a big word we really need to address here is because like Brian said, you have to adapt or die. And what stops people from adapting is fear, right? They're afraid of the unknown or what's this going to do and that sort of thing. But the glory of it all is that AI cannot replace the human feeling and emotion. And so when Brian was saying that we talked to our team about being the best at utilizing it, where we shine is in that whole understanding of who our customer is and their voice and what they're trying to portray. So we then embed that into whatever the output is for AI, right? Is turning it into that humanized approach. And so I think that's a really big part of that. You know, like you talked about with the hospitality and just extreme customer service, you can't just ask AI to do something and copy and paste it. It's not going to be you. So you have to add that element to it. But the whole fear part and my fear to wrap up what I jumped in here to say is that I know this is going to get turned into something, but I feel like we're already dumbing down our society. And that's my fear is that it's just going to, I mean, I got my phone and now I, my phone has all my contacts in it. Brian can still spit out tons of people's phone numbers. I'm like, oh, well, let me ask Siri to make that phone call. And so that's my fear is too much reliance on it that we're not using the brains that God gave us anymore. 
My point too, and what I'm saying, it's not an anti-AI thing. It is, we all have concerns about it, but it's not going anywhere. So you better learn how to use it. Absolutely. And the reality is like in business, especially if your competitors are using it, then you're just objectively at a disadvantage. And so I think use it where you can use it where it makes sense in your business. Do not let it replace the human interactions and, and the customer experience and the hospitality in your business. Use it wisely. And to be quite honest with you, even though we're building some really cool stuff with AI at ShopGenie, I don't really use it in my personal life. I try to stay off my devices. And so I think drawing a line between that, understanding where it has utility in business, but not letting it affect your life on a day-to-day basis is kind of the perfect balance. And just letting it make your business more effective, more profitable, even creating better human-to-human customer experiences by reducing the amount of time behind screens. I think that's the way to look at it from a business owner's perspective. It may actually do some good for our industry in the place where, you know, there's this technician shortage. It might drive some people to get into those blue collar fields because it will absolutely reduce some of the white collar jobs. There's no doubt about that. And when it does that, what are people going to do? I was just listening to a podcast yesterday, actually, where they were talking about the safest jobs right now are the blue collar jobs because AI is so far away from being able to replace that. I don't know if it ever will be or probably could, but would it be affordable to build robots who are doing this stuff? And I also think that from a training perspective, there's always been a high barrier to entry with jobs like automotive technician, parts and labor guides and all the different OEM like repair processes and all these things you have to learn, they become a lot easier to learn, a lot easier to ingest information, to organize the information. And so I think training might actually become more efficient as well, which means people can become technicians faster. And so there's a whole bunch of pros. There's obviously pros and cons to anything like this. And I prefer to focus on the pros and and try to just, again, use it where where I can and where it's most helpful. So... Look, thank you again for being on with us. Is there anything that we didn't ask you that we should have? One thing that we're really focused on at ShopGenie is online scheduling. So like I mentioned earlier, every other industry has this. It's kind of like a standard thing in a lot of these other spaces. And this has been something that's been lacking in our industry for a long time. And so one of the products that we've been very focused on at ShopGenie is our online scheduling tool. And we believe in it so deeply. We believe that online scheduling is one of the most powerful tools a repair shop can offer, not only stand out from the competition, but also to create those incredible customer experiences to allow the customers to book at any time, whether it's after hours or what have you, be able to book directly on your website. And so we believe in it so strongly that we actually made it free. And so one of like our kind of flagship offerings as Shop Genie coming out into the marketplace is a free online scheduling tool. Any shop can use it. If you're a Shop Marketing Pros customer, it'll be especially easy to get it set up on your website because I'll just email Kim and Brian. But yeah, we have a completely free online scheduling tool so you don't have to pay any money to, to use Shop Genie to try it out. And that's something that we're really proud of and we're really excited to work with a whole bunch of shops on. Wow, that is pretty amazing. So if somebody wants to find out about that, how do they do that? Yeah, just go to shopgenie.io slash solutions and you'll see our CRM there. If you're interested in the CRM, check it out. But right below that is the online scheduling tool. It takes 15 minutes to set up and then it's live on your website and customers can book directly onto your shop management system calendar. Awesome. Before we wrap up, which shop management systems are you connected with right now? So we integrate with Shopware, TechMetric, ShopMonkey, Mitchell One, and a handful of others that we're working on right now as well. You'll be listening to this on June 14th, 2023. So if your shop management system is not one that he mentioned, check in because it's probably uh, connected depending on when it is that you're listening to this. So 
Again, sure. Karen, thank you for joining us today. We enjoyed the discussion. Thank y'all for humoring me with my tinfoil hat. But again, we are one of five podcasts on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find out more about the others at aftermarketradionetwork.com. We hope that you'll listen in again next week. And until then, go fill those bays. You've been listening to the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.